In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Hello, welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. This episode is brought to you by Indeed and by Bets Online. Thank you all for joining us as always. And today is preview day. And even though big happenings have happened in the world of the Lions, we'll still bring you the typical preview. We've got JJ Stankovitz from NBC Sports Chicago and the Undercenter podcast coming on the show here right after the break. But before we get into that, a couple of pieces of concern and of news when it comes to the Lions. The first is that Kenny Galladay continues not to practice for the Lions. So you have to think at this point now, we'll see if he does anything here on Friday. But the fact that he didn't go on Wednesday and didn't go on Thursday, which is less than he has done in the last few weeks, is absolutely concerning for his availability against the Bears. And we know kind of what this offense has looked like with Kenny Galladay and what it's looked like without Kenny Galladay. And it leaves Daryl Bevel potentially really shorthanded in his head coaching debut because they're kind of thin in the secondary at corner because Trufant is on IR and Jeff Okuda also has not practiced the last two days with a shoulder injury, so he looks like he's probably not trending towards playing here on Sunday. So they're thin at corner, and then at receiver, you're missing your best best playmaker in Kenny Galladay. Now, they've been without him for a few weeks, so there should be some sort of understanding at this point. And you think Mohamed Sanu maybe will have a bigger role. Quintus Cephas hasn't been at practice all week for a non-injury-related thing, and... That's a little bit concerning as far as whether he'll be available, how much part of the game plan he'll be. So they could be really thin and dealing with some stuff at receiver as well. And that's not a great place to be if you're Daryl Bevel. So we'll see what happens here on Friday with Galladay, whether Quintus Cephas returns. But you can't feel great about the situation at receiver. Now, however, at running back, they did get some good news in that DeAndre Swift is out of concussion protocol. He's been cleared by an independent neurologist. So first of all, that's great news for his health. And that's the most important thing because Adrian Peterson kind of indicated that Swift was definitely dealing with some stuff still, maybe a little bit later than, than maybe he even thought with 
the concu- with the concussion and Daryl Bevel even said he was a little bit up and down with it. So the fact that an independent neurologist cleared him and that he could be good to go from that aspect is a very good sign. Now, he still missed Thursday's practice and he did so due to an illness that had nothing to do with the brain injury or with COVID-19. But if he can get back on the field on Friday, you have to think that the Lions will find some way to utilize him and get him in the lineup because they are a much better offense and a much better team with DeAndre Swift than without. And with Daryl Bevel running the show, it'll be interesting to see how much Adrian Peterson gets work if Swift returns or if they go to carry on Johnson along with DeAndre Swift. So these are all things that are going to kind of be up in the air a little bit, dependent solely on what their inactive list, what their injuries look like. So there's a bit of good news, but largely not great news for the Lions when it comes to injuries and to what that could mean for this Sunday against Chicago. That is at least if you want the Lions to win the game. And I know there is a segment that wants the Lions to not win because you want them to get the best pick possible. And I understand that philosophy. But if you want the Lions to win, the injury situation, not a great thing right now. However, Chicago has their own situation. Khalil Mack missed practice on Thursday. Matt Nagy called it precautionary. But that's something to monitor too. We touch a little bit on Khalil Mack in the interview, but kind of a different aspect of Khalil Mack and the deal that brought him to Chicago because the other thing and we're going to get into this with JJ here but if you look at what's going on in Chicago right now it probably looks a little bit familiar to you except that the problems are on offense and not on defense but the guy who was brought in as more of an offensive mind has the offense that's struggling where the Lions had the guy on defense that was struggling so with Matt Patricia so There are a little bit of a mirror situation with the Lions and the Bears at the moment, although obviously both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are still employed by the Bears, but they have lost five in a row and it has not gone particularly well of late, which has put them in a little bit of an uncomfortable position. And we get into that with JJ and we get into Mitchell Trubisky. We get into kind of where the bears are, what could happen going forward, how that could affect the lions and a lot more right after the break, right here on the Michael Ross. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses, across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as 
You do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show is the insider for NBC Sports Chicago, and he hosts the Under Center podcast, which they've been silly enough to have me on a few times. JJ Stankovitz, thank you for coming on the Michael Rothstein Show. Mike, hey, the, your appearance on the Under Center podcast, you, you spent about five minutes talking about the Lions' long snapping situation, so we can get deep into Pat Scales here on the Michael Rothstein Show. You know what? But here's the thing, right? Like the long snapping situation is now fine in Detroit. So I don't need to talk about it again until the offseason when we try to figure out once again whether Dom Muehlbach returns. I, I mean, yeah, I think we should probably be figuring out who the next coach of both these teams is going to be. Coach, general manager. So let's just start there. Because the Lions have been, to use kind of some of the words, a team on fire for a while along a, in a whole bunch of ways the bears right now seem to be like wanting to compete with the lions of which could be a worse tire fire situation so where are the bears at this moment here at 10 a.m on thursday afternoon before they play on sunday uh not in a good place mike um obviously they've lost five games in a row but the manner in which they've lost those games has been embarrassing for this team it's been embarrassing for Matt Nagy. It's been embarrassing for Ryan Pace. And it, quite frankly, should be embarrassing for the McCaskey family. Because the, the, the Bears, their plan for this team in 2020 was, we're going to have a great defense, and let's just hope we can get an average offense out of what we have. Which is, that's a terrible way to build a team in 2020. First of all, I wrote that column before the season started that the Bears had it backward. The problem is that the Bears have a pretty good defense. I don't think they have a great defense. They have a pretty good defense, and they have one of the four or five worst offenses in the NFL. And they hired Matt Nagy to bring a, bring a great offense to Chicago. It has been the exact opposite of that over the last two years. The Bears have 
I mean, it, it's them and the Jets and the Broncos and Washington. These are the teams the Bears are in the same level with in terms of their, their offense over the last two years. And it's getting to the point now where the Bears have been embarrassed on national TV against the LA Rams, against the Minnesota Vikings, and now against the Green Bay Packers. And that last one against the Packers, you, if you are a coach who's trying to hold on to his job, if you're a GM who's trying to hold on to his job, and you work for the Chicago Bears, the last thing you want to do is get your doors blown off on national TV by the Green Bay Packers. And yes, the score was 41 to 25. It was 41 to 10. At, at one point in the game, Green Bay let off the gas, understandably. The Bears scored some garbage time points. It didn't matter. The McCaskey family now has a lot of very difficult questions to ask themselves over these next five weeks about, essentially, have they seen enough? Have they seen enough from this iteration of the Chicago Bears to know we've got to move on? Or do they still think they can run it back in 2021 with Matt Nagy as the coach and Ryan Pace in the last year of his contract as general manager and try to win again? Personally, I wrote the column after the game Sunday, Mike. The Bears got to blow it up, blow everything up, start over, and just try to reopen your window in a couple of years. Because running it back, I don't think, can accomplish anything at this point. There are too many issues with this team. But the McCaskey family may see, may see things differently. We will find out about a month from now. We're recording this on December 3rd. The Bears play their last game, uh-oh, against the Packers on January 3rd. Uh, I think on January 4th, we will have a clear picture of the direction the Bears are going to go in the short term and probably long term. So, okay, there's a ton to unpack there. Yeah. Let's – Let's kind of start here because, you, you know, you're talking about their offense and I think everybody understands that the Bears offense is not good except when they have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback playing the Detroit Lions because then Mitchell Trubisky becomes like better than Aaron Rodgers for like six for 120 minutes a season, basically. What do you think they do at quarterback? Because it would seem like whether – it's a new whether they blow it all up like you advocated for, or they say, you know what, we're going to give it a shot. It really feels like their biggest issue is who is playing quarterback and whether they can solve that, probably in a short term or long term, depending on what they do. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's the issue that's plagued this franchise for the majority of their 101 years of existence. You know, outside of Sid Luckman and. Uh, you know, a couple years of Jim McMahon and really a couple of years of Jay Cutler. This team has not figured out their quarterback. And <clears throat> I, I think the Bears are stuck in a tough spot because they're, they're tied to Nick Foles next year. There's no way Nick Foles is not on the Chicago Bears in 2021. And they're probably not going to have a high enough draft pick to go get one of the four best quarterbacks in this year's draft, be it you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then, you know, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, those four guys are probably off the board by the time the Bears pick, unless they lose the rest of their games, which would mean they end the season on a 10-game losing streak, which might do more damage long-term than drafting Trey Lance. I wrote that column on NBCSportChicago.com this week. Uh, so that leaves them in a really precarious spot. The problem is that even if you draft a quarterback, their offensive line is an absolute disaster right now. 
they, they've got to replace both of their tackles in Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey. Both those guys are probably going to get cut after this season. And they, the, the Bears have not drafted an offensive lineman in the first round since Kyle Long in 2013. Ryan Pace has only drafted two offensive linemen in the second round or higher in his tenure as GM. In fact, he's, you know, the, the guys who he's taken beyond the second round have been like Hironis Grassou and Jordan Morgan. He has not found these offensive linemen to build this group out. And their lack of talent has been glaring this year. So uh, what I'm advocating for here in my position as someone who covers the team and, and who is talking to people about this is the Bears shouldn't draft a quarterback in 2021. They should start drafting offensive linemen now and building out a roster for when they do draft that quarterback. Because, oh, by the way, Allen Robinson probably is not going to be back with the Bears in 2021. It's becoming harder and harder to envision a scenario in which he's back, which leaves you with no number one wide receiver, an offensive line that needs an overhaul. You also need a quarterback. There's just, I don't see a path for this offense in 2021, no matter who the coach is. So that's why I think you start building the roster now, you know, filling in those spots on the offensive line at wide receiver and, and then 2022 or 2023 is when you draft that quarterback of the future. It's going to get ugly in 2021, certainly. But I think if you take a swing at quarterback now, you are giving yourself a worse chance of that swing working out than if you wait a little bit to build the, the rest of the roster and then take that swing. I think that'll have a better shot at success for this franchise. So it's interesting you bring that up, right? Because – when you look at the Lions, for instance, they were in last year really like a win-now situation. They draft Jeff Okuda instead of drafting quarterback, which you know a segment of the fan base wanted them to do. Uh, when you're talking about this now, do you worry that Pace and Nagy, if they do come back, would be in a similar situation where they're like, you know, we have to use these picks – because we gotta, you gotta win to keep our jobs versus maybe doing what's best for the long term health of the franchise. And I'm not suggesting that you know Bob Quinn maybe did that, but like human nature, I don't care what anyone says, human nature comes into play when you're making in decision making. It does. Right. I mean, if Pace and Nagy are given a playoff mandate by George McCaskey and Ted Phillips, they're they're gonna go draft someone who can win next year. And the good news on that front is that. You still draft an offensive lineman. You want to run <laughs> yeah. it back and win next year. You've got to do that. But also, Ryan Pace has not shown a willingness to draft an offensive lineman in the first round. I mean, you know, we can second guess every single thing he's ever done, but he passed on Mike McGlinchey, got Roquan Smith in 2018. Roquan Smith is a good player, but the Bears have overinvested in their defense at this point. Uh, I, you know, if he goes and gets an offensive lineman, with a, say, the 14th overall pick next year, that will help the Bears' chances to win, but it's not going to like get this offense over the top. Right. They need two offensive linemen. They need three offensive linemen, really. Um, it's, it's such a, a, a tough situation because, if, okay, so say you invest in offensive line in the draft next year. Who's the quarterback throwing to? Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, who's got like eight catches this year? I, I don't know because, I, I, again, I, I see – more scenarios than not in which Allen Robinson leaves Chicago. And the, 
you know, if you start investing in wide receivers, then will the quarterback have enough time to throw to them? Probably not. So, and if you invest in a quarterback, he's not going to have an offensive line and he's not going to have anyone to throw to. So I think, I think it's a really tough win now situation for this team. Um, yes, they have a good defense, but that defense is aging. We've seen some regressions from guys on that defense, like Eddie Jackson, who, you know, and, and certainly this year, Danny Trevathan, that are worrying long-term. Um, Robert Quinn has been a, a terrible signing. He's, he had a sack on his first snap in a Bears uniform, has not had a sack since. Uh, they, they just, they've invested a lot into their defense. They're not like, I don't want to say they're not getting a return on their investment because they're getting what they're paying for. They're getting a pretty good defense, but it's hard to like defenses fluctuate year to year and takeaways fluctuate year to year. So what the bears are getting is a pretty good defense that you can win with, but you need a good offense to support it. And I, again, like, I just, I don't see a path for there to be a good offense. And my worry is that this is the worst case scenario that if Pace and Aggie get told you're going to run it back, that they draft a defensive player in the first round. That would be, I mean, you want to see the city of Chicago go up in flames over this. Like, go, go see Ryan Pace draft a, you know, a defensive lineman 14th overall next year. <laughs> so, I, I, we're talking a little bit about the defense. When looking back now, was that Khalil Mack trade a mistake? No. No, and this is – I've been asked this question a couple times, Mike, and there is some nuance to this. There, there's gray area in it, and I, I think it was not a mistake. It, it's the move that a team makes when they feel like they are ready to win. And the Bears in 2018 were ready to win. That year was not a fluke. I mean, they, they had the fourth-best point di- points differential in the NFL that year. That was a really good football team. And you go make the Khalil Mack trade when you feel like you can do that. So that the, the Khalil Mack trade, I think, was a good trade for the Bears. Looking back on it, yeah, you can say it would be better if they had those two first-round picks and the, all that money. But the, what, going to get Khalil Mack sent a clear message inside that building of, hey, we're ready to win. They went out and won. The problem was not the Khalil Mack trade. The problem is that the Bears made the assumption that Mitch Trubisky was going to be a, a great quarterback on a rookie contract who allows you to go get Khalil Mack right. and open your window for not just one year, but multiple years. Obviously, that assumption did not work out. And Mitch Trubisky has been anything but great. So now you're left in this spot where, I mean, and no general manager plans for the quarterback who he drafted second overall and traded up to get to bomb out. And when that happens, there really aren't any good answers. Like you're, you're always trying to chase that one bad decision. And what the bears have been doing is trying to chase that one bad decision and try to cover for it by investing in their defense. Okay. You know, the offense isn't going to do it, but let's just go heavy in on our defense and try to win that way. It's not how it works in the NFL these days. And the, you know, the, you're, the, the bears built this structure around Mitch Trubisky to try to get the most out of him. In the 2018 offseason, you know, going and getting Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and then Chase Daniel, who you now know in, in Detroit, to back him up. And that didn't work. And as soon as the quarterback situation does not work out the way you wanted it to, you are in bad shape. And unless you luck into Ryan Tannehill, which 
The Tennessee Titans are the exception to the rule, not the rule. You're going to wind up like the Bears are right now. Just a kind of this this mess of a franchise who I think there's a legitimate debate in the NFL of who has the worst outlook if you're hiring a new GM, say the Bears and you know, Bears fire Ryan Pace. You got the Bears and Lions jobs open. I think there's a legitimate debate who is the wor- which is the worst job between the Bears and the Lions in terms of what they have ahead of them in their future. It's it's not like the Bears are are going to be a more attractive job from a roster building standpoint than the lions are right now. Cause at least the lions have Matt Stafford and you can at least trade him or work with him or do whatever you want. The bears don't have that. They have a, they have Nick Foles who has played like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this year. And that's it. A quarterback next year. Were they hoping that Foles would be Tannehill like was that, was, was that kind of the, the hope and dream that they had that you should never, you know, your strategy shouldn't be based on hopes and dreams, but was that their hope and dream that they were going to be able to flip that? It, it was because Foles was, was always the insurance option. They, they wanted, they, they kind of knew with Mitch, they're probably 95% sure what they had in him, but they always wanted to see what that last 5% was going to be. So when it was a relatively even competition in training camp, they went with Mitch. As soon as Mitch started showing those mistakes, he's shown up his entire career, he got benched. And then it was Nick Foles' time. And, you know, we were sold. The city of Chicago was sold. The the Bears sold everyone on the connections Nick Foles had within the coaching staff. So not just Matt Nagy, who, you know, there's that folksy story of Matt Nagy driving to practice (laughs) in training camp, you know, in 2016 with the Chiefs when Nick Foles was ready to quit football and Nagy was driving him to and from St. Joseph. Uh, obviously John Filippo, the quarterback's coach that, that Nick Foles had when he won Super Bowl MVP with the Eagles. Bill Lazor was on the Eagles staff when Nick Foles debuted there and had some of those great, you know, had a, a very, very great season uh, early on with Chip Kelly. So there are a lot of connections to Nick Foles on his coaching staff that we all kind of thought, okay, like you get Foles in here, he can operate this offense efficiently, uh, you know, is, you know, maybe you're not going to get great Nick Foles, but if you can just get kind of steady Nick Foles and get into the playoffs, then, hey, Nick Foles is a pretty great track record come January and February. So that was always kind of the Bears' calculus. But as it turns out, Nick Foles, I mean, Nick Foles is a guy who needs things around him to be good. With the Eagles, he had a great offensive line. You know, yeah. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, uh, you know, those guys, Nick Foles this year does not have a great offensive line. His offensive line is a disaster. It's been hit by injuries. It's been hit by COVID and it's been hit by just bad play. So the things that Nick Foles is very good at doing, which is reading coverages pre-snap and diagnosing them post-snap, he doesn't have time to do anymore. And you, we've seen a lot of bad habits develop in Nick Foles over the course of this season. We're just, he doesn't have a feel for the pocket when not, you know, stepping into throws and the, his decision-making has been poor at times. It's just, it's been a disaster. And as it turns out, the, the Bears ran this offense with Mitch Trubisky at the start of the season that looked like it was tailored to Mitch's skill set. They were going under center a lot more. They were using a lot of play action. And it, it wasn't working but it was better than it, – it looked better, I guess. 
And then they went to Nick Foles, and the Bears went from running 47% of their snaps under center to 24% under center. And they went to the shotgun-heavy offense, which is the Matt Nagy offense. At its core, they started running that again. You know, cut the field in half, identify man and zone. You got man beaters on one side, zone beaters on the other side, but you don't have enough time to throw the football, so it's not working. And Nick Foles has no mobility, so he can't even run for his life. And it's just been, I mean, those games of Nick Foles where they, they didn't score a touchdown on Monday night football. I'm sorry, on both of their appearances on Monday night football this year, they did not score an offensive touchdown with Nick Foles as their quarterback. It's just, it, it, I mean, it was awful to watch. I felt like I was watching, you know, just the, the worst football games I've ever seen when I was watching Nick Foles. That, that really is what it was. It, it was just, there was nothing good going for the Bears in those games. And it was hard to see a path out of them. The Bears finally start Mitch Trubisky. And all of a sudden, all right, we're back to throwing interceptions into triple coverage. Like, there's no good answer at quarterback on this roster. So Mitch will start Sunday against the Lions, a team that he's played well against. But is he really going to do – is he really going to be great? I don't know. I mean – Maybe Daryl Bevel will finally say we got to stop running man against Mitch Trubisky. Tell me about it. Well, that, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because will that be kind of the Mitch Trubisky kind of window of goodness in some ways on Sunday? Or is Trubisky at a point now where even that confidence maybe that he had in week one after he wins a starting job, he's playing a Matt Patricia defense that he has shredded. Will that – has that confidence even gone away with him because of everything that's happened this year? I, I actually don't get that sense, um, which is interesting because Trubisky last year, his confidence definitely waned. Um, you know, there was that infamous, you know, turn off the TVs in Hallis Hall moment. Um, this year I get the sense he's kind of playing with nothing to lose, um, especially now that he's come back. Like, you know, sometimes we read way too much into body language at press conferences, but Last year, if Mitch came off the game he had against Green Bay, he would have been, you know, down and, uh, you know, giving short answers and, you know, kind of a monotone voice. But Mitch was like, Mitch was in a good mood when we talked to him on Wednesday. He was joking with a reporter who couldn't figure out how to unmute himself. And he, he was giving good answers. And I, I got the sense that he just, he, he doesn't, he feels like he doesn't have anything to lose right now, which is both good and bad. Because the bad is taking some ill-advised shots against the Packers. The good is that those aren't going to affect him the way that they did last year. So I think it, this game is a window for him to put up some good numbers. But ultimately, if the Lions just start zoning him up again, Mitch is a guy who hasn't really beat zone in his career, uh, that, that would be probably an easy way for Detroit to keep the score low in this game. You know, and I think about last year, uh, when, when the Lions came to Soldier Field, it's not like Mitch played very well in that game. The Bears won it 21-13. to 13. Mitch threw a couple touchdowns, but it wasn't a very good game. No, that was uh, also the game that, they, that stat, the Lions yeah. messed around with Stafford all week. And mm-hmm. if, you re- if you remember, they got fined over $100,000 as an organization before. Sure did. Uh, <laughs> that was a Jeff, the, that, yeah, Jeff Driscoll had more to do with that outcome than Mitch Trubisky. Agreed. So <laughs> I, I think that you know, for, for everyone expecting a 35-point outburst, on Sunday, they're probably not going to get that. I think this is more likely the Bears getting to 21, 23, 24 points um, and seeing if the Lions can get past that. 
the biggest factor will be if Akeem Hicks plays. So my pick, I think I picked 35-21 Lions, actually. Wow! I know, right? I'm, I'm going based off of the fact that Daryl Bevel actually seems to be bringing a positive energy to the franchise, which has been missing for a long time, and he's keeping play-calling duties, so one would think he's probably going to let it rip a little bit because while technically he does have a job to lose, he also doesn't have anything to lose. Mm -hmm. much like Trubisky so why not just kind of roll with it and the offense you saw with Stafford in 2019 until he got hurt was incredibly effective it was just their defense couldn't stop anyone now their defense still can't stop anybody but it's a different voice so I'm I'm kind of going with that where do you see this game playing out so Mike I need to see if Akeem Hicks is going to play first um he, he did not practice Wednesday he's been dealing with a hamstring injury he suffered uh, late in the game against the Vikings on Monday Night Football last month. Um, he gave it a go against Green Bay. Before the game, they decided it wasn't you know, where it needed to be. He did not play, and Green Bay absolutely torched this Bears defense. Um, if he plays, I think the Bears win. Um, if he doesn't play, I, you know, there, there still is this part of me that even though the Bears are on a five-game losing streak, they're also on a five-game winning streak against the Lions, and I understand Matt Patricia is no longer there. Um, I kind of still need to see Detroit beat the Bears before I feel like – before I'm ready to predict it. Um, is Kenny Galladay going to play? Unknown. But he's in an Akeem Hicks situation, although he didn't even kind of give it a go. Mm-hmm. Last, uh, you know, 10 days ago, he just was ruled out. It sounds like it's very up and down with the hip, frankly. Yeah. So, you know, a couple injuries might swing my my prediction, but – I think just kind of neutrally looking at this, I'll go Bears 24, Lions 20. Um, I think it's, it's pretty close. Um, but ultimately, I think this is, this is kind of the get-right game for the Bears. Because, I mean, look, while they, they, they are on a five-game losing streak, those five losses are to the Rams, the Saints, the Titans, the Vikings, and the Packers. So five teams that very well could wind up in the playoffs at the end of this thing. Um, that's not to excuse how the Bears have played because the Bears play in those games has made those losses look worse, uh, you know, regardless of the opponent. But I do think that, you know, the, the Bears have found some stuff against the Lions in the past. The Matt Nagy can still lean on Matt Patricia on the sideline or not. Um, and look, these are two teams that aren't very good. So I think the Bears will wind up winning it. It'll probably be close, but Look, I mean, if Akeem Hicks doesn't play, but Kenny Galladay does, I might be changing that prediction on Saturday. We'll see. Cool. JJ, thanks. As always, I'll be sad not to see you in Chicago this week. We won't be able to have good dinners the night before and potentially ridiculous up- sweet upgrades that I get where we can watch six, six <laughs> football and basketball games that won't exist in this COVID environment uh, like that happened a couple years ago. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to your return trip to Chicago in 2021, and hopefully we can go back out to dinner again. Hopefully. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. I want to thank my guest, JJ Stankovitz, for coming on the podcast, and thank all of you for listening to the show this week. I know it's been a lot of information, a lot of stuff going on. It's been a very action-packed couple of weeks here Really appreciate all the new listeners that 
we've had. Hopefully, you'll stick with us as things probably normalize a little bit, but we're going to have hopefully a lot more interesting information for you and some cool guests for you. We've got one that is definitely happening on Tuesday edition of the show that we've already got done and in the can. So pretty excited about that, and I think you'll learn something from it. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. We'll do our live chat pregame as we usually do. It's either going to happen on Instagram or on Facebook. Not sure yet. I'll post about that on Twitter. And that was just a whole big social media sentence. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And you can, you know, subscribe to the podcast if you're a first-time listener uh, over wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd appreciate that. And if you ever want to hear from anybody, if you have suggestions for people you want to hear from, make suge- let me know, and I'll do my best to get them on the show if we haven't had them on already. And with that, we will chat with you on Monday.